Hasn't the Lord been good to us? Hasn't the Lord been good? Done all the things that He said He would. Hasn't the Lord been good? And so, we should love God. We should hate sin and reckon the old man dead. We should love God, hate sin, and by the Spirit be led. God is doing a great work um, in the lives of His people. And you know what? Even as I was talking with uh, my secretary this last week, um, she's kind of asked, like, Josh, what, what, what are you looking for the future? You know, what are you seeing? And I was, you know, trying to decipher that within my own mind, trying to break it down, like where I see myself and what I see happening. And as much as I scream and yell at the people, you know, to shape up and get moving and, and start walking with Christ, I want to see some revival break out, you know, I want to see some passion pour forth. As I analyze it more and more, I see um, a very condensed population of powerful people that I've never seen anywhere, to be honest. Um, I've traveled to a lot of places in the world and to a lot of different churches. And I don't know if I've seen this many powerful guys in this small of a place, in this radius of a place. This, I, I just... I really do see an army being raised up, I guess, everywhere that I go. And I'm seeing it more and more. I, I just can't believe uh, how surprising it is, the gifts that are being built up and raised up. And as I look at the brothers that are around me, um, the brothers specifically, because that's who I hang with, the bros, you know, my, my brothers. These guys, I mean, I could literally list off probably 15 or 20 guys who could all um, lead a youth group, no problem, lead a Bible study, no problem, but essentially be able to lead a church, to be able to preach the Word of God, to be able to stand up. They don't think that they're adequate. They don't think that they have the ability to do it. But that's just the kind of person that God wants. Somebody who doesn't know how. Because then they've got to trust in Jesus the whole way. And I'm telling you that I'm seeing a powerful group of brothers and sisters being raised up like I've never seen. I have brothers all over the world. I have guys in Canada. I have guys in New York. I have guys in Georgia. The guy in New Jersey, the guy in Texas, lots of guys in Oregon. And there is nothing, I hear them complain and whine all the time, how there just isn't any brothers to fellowship with. They struggle at getting a Bible study put together. They struggle at preaching and trying to form something and make something happen. Look at this. Look at the work that God is doing on the college study and all the college campuses. And just the small amount of time that we've really been able to put into it. I mean, I, there are so many powerful people in such a small space that I'm telling you that something is going to break out like we've never seen. I'm convinced. Because you guys are passionate. You love God. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. You know, family, we're not called to all stay here in one place, I hope you know. There are plenty of powerful people here who will do amazing things here in Southern California, I guarantee it. But I believe many are called to get out of this place 
I was telling my buddy Aaron today. I said, man, I would love to go to another territory where there is nothing. Where there is no church, where there is no spirit of God. And to plant something huge. To build up and raise up a thousand people. And then start sending out men from that place and take over the whole city, one church at a time. We just What if you just built like ten churches in one city? It's like conquered. Let's move on to the next one. Go to the next one and just keep going and keep going and just start conquering. That's what it takes. It takes vision. It takes people giving up their lives and laying it down for the kingdom. The reason I say all that is because um, there's a brother that's here tonight who's going to come and share with us. Sweet brother. One of my sweetest friends. And uh, we've had some all right time together and I'm getting to know him over the years here. But a guy who definitely, I think, feels like a guy that we're going to look at in this book tonight, Jeremiah, but who has a heart who is completely willing. Aaron, why don't you come up? Aaron's going to come up and share with us. Come on, let's welcome Aaron. Yep. Yeah. Want to know what I love about Aaron? We're just looking at him. He's stinking beautiful. I mean, number one. Uh, but um, what I love about Aaron, Aaron, you work for Pepsi, right? Aaron works for Pepsi, Okay. That's what I love about him. That's it. <laughs> Just kidding. No, it's not Pepsi. But this guy, um, you know, he he, w- he doesn't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it because I, w- I just want you to see real life, real Christianity. You know, I work in the church. I don't work in the world, you know. I got a piece of cake job. I get to hang out with Christians all day and love on people. Isn't that great? But Aaron, on the other hand, gets to work on the world with non-believers, people who don't love God. People who probably, you know, mock and laugh in the face of God. And this guy works, you know, full time. Yeah, he works full time for Pepsi. And after work every night, you know, he's serving night after night after night. I just see him all the time and I don't get it. I'm like, I think to myself, Aaron, you know, you're, you're just, you're like a lot of other people in the church who work full time. But what are you doing all the time at church and why are you serving so much? You seem like a ministry guy. You seem like somebody should have a job in ministry or something because you do so much for the church. And this is what a true Christian is to be, to be honest. Now, Aaron will tell you, you know, he's probably not the most faithful guy. He's a sinner saved by grace and all the above. But I'm telling you this, that he puts forth the effort daily, man. He works for Pepsi. He doesn't work for the church. He works for Pepsi. But ultimately, he works for the king. And that is his job all day long. He works for the king. And so, yeah, he's there Monday nights. You know, he comes and he's going through a teaching class with me on Monday nights. Yep. Then after that class, you know what he does? Serves at basics. Then Tuesday nights, not sure what he's up to, doing all kinds of things, I'm sure. Wednesday nights at church. Thursday nights, helping out when he can. Teaching, another Bible study. Friday nights, serving at the well. Sundays, there always to give a helping hand and do whatever he can. Laying his life down for the kingdom on top full-time job, you see. I mean, he, he needs to go buy deodorant at the store too, you know. He needs to go buy the essentials. He needs to go take care of his errands and, and, and do these kind of things. It's true. But he makes time for the kingdom of God, and it blesses my socks off. Because I hear all kinds of people say, well, i got to work. i got to do this. i got to do this. And I say, I just want to say to him, well, look at Aaron. Go watch Aaron Stevens. How come he comes to church in his uniform sometimes? Everybody's excused. i got to go home and get ready. 
again, not to boast in this man, but the work that Christ has done in this man. And he's going to share with us and share his heart. He's just been a great example to me and to many around. And so I just want you to give him your heart and your ears, okay? Let him speak to us. Amen? Let's welcome Aaron. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Can you guys hear me? All right, cool, cool. <clears throat> well, before I begin, would you guys, uh, would you guys just pray with me? Father, we, um, we thank you for uh, just everything that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for being in control of our lives. Thank you for having us, for giving us this place to come and just to, to study your word and to worship you and just to glorify you in everything that we do. I pray that you would be with me now, that you would calm my nerves. Just help me just to just to glorify you even with these words now. So we pray all these things in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, obviously, my name is Aaron. Uh, I was going to bring, like, a, a Devo, a devotional, like, out of, the, out of the text. And I was praying about, like, what I should talk about, you know, what should be my topic. And a few nights ago, I had a crazy dream. And it was, like, it was me back in the world, like, in a weird situation. I was driving the truck. My friends were in the back. And it was just, like, that feeling like I didn't want to be there. I was like, this can't be happening. This can't be happening. This can't be happening. And I was like, oh, this isn't happening. It's a dream. And I woke up and I was like, I was just so happy. Like, man, yes, I'm not there anymore. I'm, you know, I'm saved. I'm with the Lord. And I was like, man, like, why did I have that dream out of all nights? And it was just like, man, for some reason, it just was like, I need to share that. I need to tell people like, you know, I'm not in that world anymore. I'm not, I'm not that same person that I used to be. I'm something different. I'm saved. I don't have to have those worries or those anxieties or feeling like I got to run away or I got to run from the police or do whatever it is. It was a crazy dream, trust me. <laughs> but, uh, so I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just I'll share a brief testimony of, of my life. And so I guess I'm going to do it. Uh, I mean, I was, I was born in New Jersey uh, on the East Coast, and I moved to Riverside as a little, as a little baby. Uh, my mom and me and my brother and my sister, we all moved out here, and then my dad came afterwards. And uh, I kind of wrote it down because I don't want to lose my track. But um, So I moved to Riverside when I was young. I lived in Riverside until I was probably about seven years old. And uh, as I was living in Riverside, I remember I was about like five or six, and uh, we used to live in these apartments kind of off of uh, off Linden and, uh, what's that, Linden and like 3rd. Kind of like, yeah, kind of by North High School. So it wasn't a really good area, but uh, we lived over there. And I remember there was a bus that used to come through the neighborhood. And I'm, I wasn't really raised in a godly home. Like, my mom and dad didn't go to church much. But this, there was this bus that would come through the neighborhood. And my mom and dad, for some reason, I mean, even though they weren't, like, walking with the Lord completely, they wanted us to go on this bus and go to church. So I don't really remember too much about the church. I couldn't even tell you what it looks like. All I remember really is just like we used to sing songs on the bus on the way to church, like Jesus Loves Me and uh, like the B-I-B-L-E, just like little songs. I didn't know who Jesus was, but I just knew he loved me and, you know, he, he cared about me. And I knew all these things. So I don't know, just now looking back from my understanding of Scripture, it's, it just, I mean, Scripture is true. Like Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And uh, I just see that as, like, just God's hand in my life, even as a young kid, like, just bringing that bus in my neighborhood, like, out of, just randomly. So, like, just little things were planted in my life. And as I start to look at my life now, I look back on my life, I see just God just working in, in small ways, just, like, slowly but surely, just planting seeds, watering seeds, and, and uh, 
So, I mean, besides the, the normal little Sunday morning trip, like I really, like I said, I didn't have a golly home. My mom and my dad, they, you know, they ended up getting a divorce when I was probably about six. Um, and that was mainly due to the fact that my, my dad had a, a drug addiction problem and it just caused a whole lot of problems in their, their marriage. So, you know, we ended up uh, moving from Riverside to Corona when I was about seven. And I, I moved to Corona. We lived in Corona for a while. My mom was just, you know, single mother working hard and, you know, working overtime, always trying to pay the bills. So we didn't really have a whole lot of money. We lived in an apartment complex. Like, I never really lived in a house my entire life. We always lived in apartments. And uh, I remember times got kind of, like, real tough. My, uh, I didn't really even realize it. As a kid, you know, you're just playing around, you know, having playing tag at night, not really realizing the things that are going on in the world. And my mom, I guess, you know, she got behind on bills and stuff. And I remember one day coming home from school and, uh, like, I just like I was going to my door. I tried to put my key in the knock in the lock, and uh, it wouldn't unlock. And I just remember seeing that big orange sign on the window that said like "No trespassing." Like we had been evicted. And I remember like, man, like, like I just felt like lost. Like I had nowhere to lay my head. And but now with the understanding that I have of the Bible, like it's cool to know that we have a God that that can relate to us. Like in the Bible, Jesus said, you know, uh, what was it? It's uh, in Matthew, I believe, Matthew eight twenty. He says, uh, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Like, Jesus was homeless. So, like, just looking now, like, man, our God can relate to us. Our God, he's been through the things that we've been through. I mean, even as a young child, those things that I experienced, like, he can relate. He knows what I was going through. He was right there in the middle of that situation even then as a child. So, I mean, like, it was tough times. I remember, like, we, like I said, we got evicted. I mean, we lived in a car for a little bit. I remember parking at the, the Main Street little train station. We slept in the car overnight. Uh, we lived in a Motel 6 for a while. And then finally things started getting good. You know, the Lord blessed, and my mom got a better job. We got a, into another apartment, and, you know, things were going good. Everything was going good. My dad was started doing good. Uh, my dad came back into our lives, and he was, you know, helping out where he could. Uh, he started walking with the Lord, which was good. Like, he got into a rehabilitation program, which was a Christ Center rehabilitation program, and just started sharing the Lord with my brother. Like, I mean, I was still a young kid. I was probably about, you know, 10, 11 now. And uh, as he's, 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 like, I've never seen my dad like this. I mean, I've seen him, you know, before when he was, you know, in his habits and things like that. But he just, something was different about it. I just remember he just looked so happy all the time. And uh, so it's like, I'm like 11 or 12. We're living in Corona. My dad's coming around sharing the gospel. You know, he's walking with the Lord. I remember one time I came home from school, and all of a sudden, like, I see my dad's pastor walking up to our apartment, and I'm like, what's, like, why would he be here? And just, I just knew something wasn't right. And then uh, the pastor ended up breaking the news that my dad ended up dying. And I was like, it was like 13 days before my, my 12th birthday. And uh, he died of a drug overdose. So that was, like, something that was devastating to me. I don't even uh, that was that was tough. I just remember just crying, just throwing my head in my pillow, just crying, crying, crying. And the pastor came out, and he was like, he wanted to pray over us. So I don't know what kind of church my dad was going to, but he, he wanted to pray for us. So he prayed for us, and then he just started speaking in this weird language. And, he's like, and I guess that's tongues I know now, but I was like, what, what is he talking about? Like, that didn't really come for me. But at the same time, he was praying for us. And I know even looking back, I see God even in that. Like, he was, he was there for us, trying to comfort us, trying to give me words, and trying to just give us strength. So that was like... It really caused me to look at things a lot differently. Like, you start to recognize death. When someone dies in your family that's real close to you, like those cartoons where people die, it's, it's not so funny anymore. It's like it, it becomes real. And it really started, like, even at 11 years old, like, man, like, what happens to me? Like, I, what was this thing that my dad was talking about? And uh, I remember not too long after that, maybe a year, 
maybe six months. I was just chilling with my friends, playing video games in the living room, and somebody came knocking on the door. I go open the door, and it's this guy. He's like, hey, um, oh, we're opening a new church in the area, and we're trying to uh, – we're just reaching out to the to, to you guys, blah, blah, blah. And he just starts talking about this church and started talking about Jesus. And I remember my dad was talking about Jesus. I remember Jesus from the, from the songs on the bus. So he starts sharing with us, and he starts sharing with me pretty much. And he was um, just – he gave me the gospel. He showed me – he told me, you know, Jesus Christ loves me. Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. He wants me to go to heaven when I die. And it was like a promise. I was like, okay, I know what death is, and I know what there's something after death. And I want that promise of heaven. So he asked me if I wanted to accept Jesus in my life. And I was like, 12 years old, maybe 11 years old, at my doorstep. He's like, if you want, you can pray with me. You can kneel right now and pray with me. You can accept Christ in your life. And I did. And, I, like, I don't know what it was that made me – do it it just was like something in my heart knew that i needed i needed forgiveness i knew that i needed a savior i needed to go to know that i was go to heaven when i die so i prayed with him but just like the scripture talks about in uh the parable of the sower how there's some seed that falls in the stony places some feet seed that falls amongst the thorns some seed that falls amongst you know on the good soil at that time i was that was the stony place i uh, i received it but i didn't have any root so you know it went the way so I continued my life, you know, just doing my teenage years. My mom was still working a lot. Didn't really have a, you know, big family life. You know, my brother was doing his thing. He's four years older than me. My sister's seven years older than me. I'm the baby. So I'm like 12 years old, going through my teenage years, just, you know, doing what kids do, messing around, having, doing dumb stuff, just getting involved with people I probably shouldn't have got involved with. I mean, I didn't live in the best neighborhoods. Uh, my friend's next-door neighbor was actually a drug dealer, and he, uh, yeah, it, that got me started on a whole bunch of dumb stuff as even as a kid i remember like i mean i guess i'll share just be honest like the first time i ever you know, smoked you know was probably like sixth grade seventh grade and it's just things that i went through as a kid and then uh but i knew i always knew I had that in the back of my head that my dad passed away from drugs like i need to stay away from this stuff so i did for a while i got to get into high school age and i started walking with uh just just doing you know myself just doing following my own my own wisdom, I guess, or whatever I thought was right, just doing what I thought was cool. And uh, I remember as I'm going through high school, just messing around, just having fun, uh, there's one day, I, oh, no, actually, I graduated high school, you know, didn't really have a focus, didn't really have anyone telling me what to do, where to go, like, you should go to college, you should do this. I just was, you know, doing my thing. So uh, I remember once I had a job at Domino's after I graduated, and I was one night I was just chilling with my, my friends. My, uh, one of the other coworkers was in the car with me, and one was in the back seat. Guy in the backseat hops out and goes to get a pizza, and some guy comes up to the, the window. He's like, can I, can I talk to you for something? I'm writing a book on interpretations, and he starts talking to us, and I'm like, okay. He starts, like, interpreting the movie The Matrix, but he's, he's like, tying it into to scripture and making sense of it. And, like, he uh, gets to the point of when – I don't know if you guys seen the movie The Matrix when uh, – excuse me. Uh, there's a, par- a part in The Matrix where um, Morpheus gives a Neo the choice to take the red pill, the blue pill. And he, point, he presented it to us as you can choose life or you can choose death, and you can you can make this choice tonight. And again, you know, I just I don't know. I felt something in me like you need to make a decision. So I made the decision. He was like, if you want, you can pray. And I said this sinner's prayer. Me and my friend, she's sitting right next to the car. Me and I was like, okay, like well, what do I do now? And prior to this, my sister had just recently got saved, and she uh, she brought me to Harvest. And, uh, you know, I sat through Greg's message. It was a cool message and everything. And he did the, the altar call at the end, raise your hand. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit even then. And I raised my hand. But when we asked for people to come forward, I, like, 
I, I, I froze up. I didn't go forward. But then, I mean, like the, the Lord works, man. He brought that guy to me over when I was at, outside of my work at Domino's. And I was like, okay. I, he's like, you need to get plugged into a church. He, sh- he showed me like K-Wave. He's like, cut off all that dirt music that you're listening to. Turn on this radio station right here, K-Wave. It's good Bible teaching, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, all right, cool. So I start to get on the right path. But again, like the parable of the sower, you know, I fell amongst the thorns and the cares of this life and just the things that distract people, just temptation, just the, the enemy distracted me, got me away. And uh, I was just, you know, started just living in the world again. So I continue on. I finally, like Josh said, I got hired on a Pepsi. I've been working at Pepsi for a while and start to do pretty good, get success, you know, successful as, as the world sees success. And uh, I ended up getting blessed. Like my ex-girlfriend's family, they had bought this house for, like they bought the house on this land, but the house was old, and they were like, you know, you can just move in there and just keep the house for us. I was like, cool. So I, I stayed there for a while. I was like, I had a good job. You know, I had my car. I had everything that I thought I needed. I had a house. You know, I had friends. I had, you know, like I had girls. I had money. I had everything that I thought I would need to be like what I what I would want at the age. I'm like 21 years old now. I, I can do pretty much anything. I can go to the club. I can go to the bar. I can buy my own drink. I can do pretty much anything. But there was still something inside of me. It's just like, man, like, what is it? Like, they still don't feel complete. I try to get more friends. I try to get more girls. I try to have parties at the house, just have people over all the time, start drinking, start getting more into smoking and, and just doing stuff like that. And it still felt empty. So I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe, you know, there's something to this God thing. Maybe I'll just try it. You know, just I'll turn back on that radio station that that guy shared with me, K-Wave. And I started listening to K-Wave and I started just hearing what the, the preachers were talking about. And it all made sense. So, okay, I'm going to give this God thing a try, but I'm going to do it my way. You know, like there's still certain things that I think are cool. You know, you know, you know, I can still smoke. It's from the earth. I can just still do this. I can still hang around with girls. I can still fornicate. Like, but, you know, like the Bible says, you're either for me or you're against me. You can't just be sitting on the fence. So the Lord showed me that in a real way. And like just things he took me through. I remember I thought I had comfort in my money, my, my finances. I remember one day like I lost my wallet. I, I had no access. I had money in the bank. I had plans to do things and I had no access to it. And then just something hit me was like, man, like just like the Lord speaking to me, like I can take all this away from you. I can take remove everything that you have. I can take it away from you. So I remember I just started I was working a lot, just getting into into success and just chasing after the things of the world and uh, I don't know, I just felt stressed out, like I didn't need answers. And my friend, her her dad used to be a pastor, so I go over to her house and start talking to him, and he starts sharing the gospel with me again. And uh, so, I, again, I, I accepted. I accepted the, the the presentation of the gospel. I said the sinner's prayer, and uh, he prayed with me. He's like, look, there's going to be attacks. There's going to be, you know, the enemy's going to come attack you. You're just switching sides from the, from the, the old team to the new team now, and the enemy's going to attack. But know that there's power in the name of Jesus. And that's something that I remember he said. He said there's power in the name of Jesus. When you pray in the name of Jesus, he can't touch you. The enemy knows, you know, he can't mess with, with Jesus. So I'm just going along trying to, trying to do this new Christian thing, trying to do it the right way buy myself a Bible, and then just a whole bunch of crazy events happened, and I ended up just, I don't know, I was in like a state of depression, I guess you could say. My mom, she was scared, and we ended up going to the hospital and everything, and I just remember just being at this point where it just felt like so many things were going around me a mile a minute, like, and I was just trying to solve every single problem, and again, like, I don't know, I like to reference the movie Matrix, I like it, but like, I don't know if you guys remember the scene where like, there's, they load up, like, it's just a blank room, and they load up the program, and it's just like, all these things are flying by them, like the guns or whatever, it just felt like that, but that was constantly happening in my life, just everything was just swirling around my head, just everything was just going a mile a minute, I had no peace, and I just remember, I just asked my mom, my brother, my sister just to get around me. It's like, we just, can you guys just pray with me? And I just prayed. Like, and it wasn't until like, I started praying. It just seemed like everything started slowing down. And once I finally just said, like, in the name of Jesus, it seemed like everything just went. Whoosh. Everything just wiped out. It was just, 
it was so peaceful. Like, I just, it was so peaceful just to say the name of Jesus. I just said it, the name of Jesus, and the name of Jesus, and the name of Jesus. And I just remember, like, just feeling so filled, like, everything just been lifted off of me. Like, every burden, every care, every worry, every situation I was going through, it was just, it was taken away. Everything that's happened in the past was gone. And I was just so happy. I was so, like, I just felt, I can't explain it, but I'm sure y'all know what I'm talking about. But, man, it was, it was, it was a good feeling. But, like, the Bible says, if, um, if a man confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart that Jesus is Lord, he will be saved. And I think that was the point when I really believed. Like, I mean, I had prayed the prayer. You know, I had raised my hand. I did all these things. But it wasn't until I believed in, in the name of Jesus that I actually felt that peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding, that everything was just taken away. And I knew from that point I didn't want nothing else but this Jesus, the same Jesus that I had heard on the bus when I was five years old. This is the Jesus that I needed in my life. So I just, I was like, you know what, I'll take take everything, Lord. Take, you know, take this job, take this car, take this house, take these girls, take everything. I don't want none of it. I want you. And I started just, you know, all right, I'm going to get this Bible. I'm going to turn on this radio station. And I'm, I'm going to go back to that church where I felt that tug that made me lift my hand. I started going to Harvest, started just uh, just reading my Bible, just going to church, going to church, just trying to try find fellowship. And the Lord just blessed, man. Everything that I gave up, every friendship that I severed, every every ex-girlfriend or all those things that I gave up like he just completely blessed like and you see the fulfillment of his promises in the word he says whatever you give up whether it be houses or lands or friends or family members for my name's sake I'll reward you in this time and in the time to come eternity and that that promise like it means so much to me like man I've been blessed I have these people sitting in front of me all you guys that I know would love me and I know that feel the same way yeah people like Josh that come up in your life and just this bless you continually and like the Lord is just completely blessed and I still have those friends back in you know from from way back but it's just a different relationship and they see that I'm walking with the Lord now and I just see that as an opportunity to to do the same thing that those people did in my life for them those people that that guy that came and shared the gospel with me when I was outside of work that that guy that came to my front door when I was 12 years old like he they were sharing truth with me they were trying to give me peace they were trying to help me find salvation and that's that's all of our jobs. We are to be those people. I mean, each one of us was created unique. I mean, I know I have some weird circumstances that I have went through in my life, but we all have a story. We all have a testimony. We all have been through things. Each and every one of you were created for a purpose, to glorify God and to share with somebody. So don't hold your story in. I mean, share with somebody. There's someone that you will come across your path that only you, that only you were created for that purpose to share with that person. Don't let those opportunities pass you by. Fulfill the Great Commission. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. And that's what God would have us to do. That's what he put us on this earth for. I mean, don't worry about the things in the past. Don't worry about the things that you went through. And the, one of the verses that I love, I'll, I'll read it to you. Is, um, it's like my favorite verse. It's uh, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. You guys probably know well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And that's the same promise that's in all of our lives. If you put your faith in Christ, everything is passed away and everything has become new. You have a fresh start. So get out there and do something for the Lord. He, see how much things that he's blessed you with. I mean, I see the things that he's blessed me with in my life, what he's took me away from, what he's saved me from, what he's delivered me from. I just want to do whatever I can to, to show that I'm thankful, that I'm grateful, that I appreciate what he's done in my life. And we should all have that mentality. We should all have that, that mindset. And, I mean, he's, he's came into your life. He's begun a good work, and he will complete it. The Bible is true. The Bible speaks it. And we, if there's one thing that we can hold to is it's the words that are found in this book. This is truth. And forget what everybody else is talking about. Forget what the pastor says on, on Sunday morning. This is what you hold to. You hold to the Bible. 
The Bible is truth. The Bible is the promises. The Bible is what leads to salvation. Jesus is what leads us to everlasting life. And, I mean, that's the message that we're given. I mean, that's, that's my story, and that's why I do what I do is because Jesus came into my life, and he saved me. And I want to share that with everyone. So thank you. God bless. Thank you guys for listening. I know it's uh, kind of long. Hopefully, I, I know I talk fast too, so I apologize for that. But if you have any questions, you you know, maybe you're struggling with something right now, you just want to pray, I'll be here. So uh, come and talk to me afterwards. But uh, would you guys pray with me right now? Please. Father, we just come before you, Lord, and we thank you so much. I thank you just from just from everything that you delivered me from, everything that you saved me from. Just now that looking back on the the ways that you worked in my life, and I know the ways that you worked in the lives of these individuals here, we thank you for that, Lord. We pray that you would continue to work, that you would continue to empower us, that you would continue to give us strength to just to be good witnesses, to be lights in dark areas, that we would glorify you with our lives, not only just by coming to church on Sunday, but on an everyday basis, that we would seek to serve you in some way. We thank you, Father, for the gift of salvation, the gift of eternity. We pray that uh, that we would arrive on that day and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. May we serve you all the days of our lives. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give him for and again, huh? Amen. <laughs> love hearing testimonies. Yes, testify. Testify of the good works of God. You got to do it. You know, it's such a powerful thing just to say something like that. Just like, you know what? Jesus Christ came into my life and changed me. I'm a new man. I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. Everything is made new. And, uh, you know, that is, a lot of people think that, you know, people who are as radical, I think, as Aaron, you know, who, you know, work all week long and then, you know, serve in church full time as well. You think, uh, you know, that's like a different kind of person, that kind of person, like, you know, they're, they're a ministry person. The truth is he's just a Christian. That's what he is. He's an actual Christian. And that's the way all Christians are supposed to be. They should be serving full time for the king. Anything else you do is like an option to your life. A lot of people think like, no, I have a full-time job, and then I do Jesus part-time. No. You do Jesus full-time, and even if you have a full-time job, that's part-time. Jesus is full-time. You'll regret it. I'm telling you, when you get to heaven, you say, what was I doing wasting all my time on things of this world? Things of the earth. Who cares? It's about Jesus making his name known. We get to open a new book tonight. Uh, as we close 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. Long book, huh? Good times together in it. That prophet prophesying and speaking, and we will look at another prophet tonight. His name is, guess what? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah. Reminds me of a name that I heard just uh, yesterday. His name was Jeremy. And I was driving up Alessandro, um, going home. I don't normally take that route. I normally go up Washington. But I was going down, uh, going up Alessandro because I was going to stop by Target. But guess what? It was closed. 
So I'm on my way up Alessandro, and I see this guy waving his hand. And I'm like, okay. I just keep driving. And I'm like, God's like, go pick him up. And I'm like, no. He looks dangerous. I'm not picking him up. Driving a Range Rover, you know, I got my iPhone right here. He's going to jack me. He thinks I have money or something. He's going to, like, shank me, you know. Like, I'm not down for this. I'm like, God, I'm not doing it. He's like, go pick him up. Like, no, I, Lord, you look like a sketchy guy, and I could pick him up. He says, are you, doing, are you living for my kingdom or not? I was like, yeah. Then make a U-turn. Okay, here we go, Father, protect me. <laughs> so I turn around. I go and pick him up. I roll down the window. Hey, you need a ride, man? He's like, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe Wow. Gosh, thanks. You know, he gets in the car. Look, what's your name, man? My name's Jeremy. He um, said, why are you walking home, man? He's like, well, you know, I, I don't have a car. Um, every Monday I have to walk home. And uh, he walks from Riverside to Paris. I'm sorry, Paris Boulevard in Marina Valley. Uh-huh. And uh, I said, man, you don't have a car. Huh? No, I get a ride to work. Somebody drops me off in the morning, but they can't pick me up. So sometimes I catch the bus, but on Monday nights, I can't get to the bus stop fast enough, so I always miss it on Monday nights. And so I walk home. I'm just like, man. And uh, he said, God bless you as he came in the car. But as I was doing that, I said, you said, God bless you, man. You know, I'm, I'm a Christian. And um, I love God, man. I serve him with all my heart. And that's the only reason I picked you up is because of God. And um, I give you this ride in the name of Jesus, I told him. You know, this is for the furtherance of his kingdom, not to get me brownie points in heaven. Um, so I'm not really not a nice guy. Uh, it's, just, it's just Jesus in me. That's what it is. He's like, oh, okay, okay. He's like, man, you're really blessed. I'm like, well, no, I mean, you got nice stuff. No, no, I don't I really don't. You know, God's blessed me in other ways. I'm rich in many other ways that you could never even tell or see right now. I proceeded to witness to him and minister to him all the way home. I got a good 15, 20-minute drive home. And um, he struggles. He, he's on methamphetamine. And uh, he's lost all of his teeth. And uh, he's like, I'm like, how old are you? He said, I'm 31. I'm just like, you thought I was really old, huh? I said, well, that's what drugs do, you know. And we proceeded to have a really serious talk. I said, Jeremy, when are you going to stop, man? Oh, I'm going to stop soon. I said, well, when soon? Is that today? Oh, no, I, well, no, I can't today. Why not? Oh, you know, we started talking about it. And I proceeded, and I convinced him. I mean, he was, he was full blast ready to stop tonight. And then I said this, I said, Jeremy, if I can convince you to stop, somebody convince you to start just like that. I said, you really going to stop? Because I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to talk to God right now and give, ask that he would give you the power to stop. And if we're going to go before God, you better be dead serious about what you're saying to him. He's like, oh, man, I don't know. I said, you know, God wants to change you. And you might be dead in a few years if you don't change your life. And life and death, just as Aaron had said, stands before you today. So I shared with him, and I prayed for him, and I encouraged him. And he was blown away. He couldn't believe it. Not by Josh Thompson. It's Christ in me. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. 
The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And I love it. I was so blessed. I'm so happy I picked him up. I got to further the kingdom last night. Man, it was awesome. I said, you need to cut off all of your friends. I said, who's your dealer? Who's your drug dealer? You know who he is? You need to cut off that relationship. You need to get out of the city. You need to get into church. I brought him all the way to the edge and basically brought him to a place where he might jump off. And I hope that he does. I hope he makes a commitment to Christ. He made some kind of commitment and a seed has been planted. But family, I was just reminded once again what great opportunity that we have to further the kingdom every single day. Every day, Christian. There is so much ground that needs to be taken for the kingdom and people are sitting around doing nothing, worry about their lives. And I was worrying about my life on the way home last night. I was thinking about going to the gym, man. It's like, man, it's 10 o'clock. I can go get an hour workout. And I can be home in time, get to sleep, and still get seven hours sleep. Man, that's sweet. I'm going to do it. God changed my plans. It was the sweetest thing ever. Were you bummed when God changes your plans? You bummed when you get to further the kingdom? You sad when you get to pray for somebody, encourage them? No, change your ways. Understand that God's ways are the best ways. When He speaks to you, you've got to step out. I've got to do that more. I love stepping out. There's nothing like it. Just like rejuvenated my soul. And after, as soon as he closed that door and I made my little turn and poured the light of his neighborhood, I was praising God. The Spirit of God was upon me in my car. Man, I turned on the worship and went to town. Because, man, it's like Father showed up in a powerful way. And we're about to look at a faithful man. His name was Jeremiah. You know how many people he brought to Jesus? You know how many people he brought to God in his life? None. Not even one. They call this prophet the prophet of sorrows. Or the one of weary, sadness, crying and weeping. Because no one came to Christ in his day. Would you be faithful to God if no one came to Christ? Sounds like my buddy Christian up in Canada. Love you, Christian, if you're listening to this. Christian up there in Canada has been so faithful to minister, and he has one or two here and there that he gets to minister to and pour into. But it's not like thousands are flocking. It's not like down here in Southern California. It's hard work up there in Canada. But he is faithful. We're going to look at a guy who is extremely faithful to God. I'm going to read a little background, just some things that I printed out from a commentary. I just want to read it to you so you can kind of get a perspective of who this guy Jeremiah is. Listen to this. Jeremiah wasn't the greatest prophet. He wasn't the most mystical prophet. He wasn't the most successful prophet. But without a doubt, he was the most courageous of the prophets. Listen to this. His enemies tied him up and threw him into a dungeon because they didn't like his message. What would you do if you were tied up and thrown into a dungeon? Right now, maybe somebody has a pit in the back of their house. They hear me preaching here, and after I go out of here, they come, they hit my car off the road, take me, tie me up and throw me in their pit and leave me there. 
What will you do? What would you do? Would you turn from God? Would you curse God and die? It says that his family and his friends rejected him. Other prophets and priests actually made fun of him. He was placed in stocks and beaten. He was humiliated. He was ridiculed. And yet for 42 years, Jeremiah kept on proclaiming the message of God, the message that God had laid on his heart. For 42 years he preached, even though not a single person responded to his message. Would you be faithful for 42 years if no one responded? That's incredible. Many Christians here in this day, if somebody doesn't respond or they don't get the attention that they want, for just a month, they walk away. I hear it all the time in the church. It bugs me. No one talks to me. Okay. I have a friend who stayed faithful to church for over two years and no one approached him. What a blessing. Faithful. Do you go to church for people? You go to church for God. You serve God for you. You serve in God for him. Who's it about? Jeremiah, it was about God and God alone. And it showed in his life, did it not? The man was faithful for 42 years. How many can even be faithful for five years? I see time and time again, people want opportunity in the church. And since they don't get it, they come up and be like, hey, Josh, I, I served here for a long time. I'd love to get involved. Well, that's cool. Hang around. Yeah, but I don't think you heard me. Hint, hint, wink, wink. I was really a leader in my other church, and I should probably, well, you know, be a leader here too. Huh? And they leave. Because it's about them. It's not about the kingdom. But Jeremiah received no fruit. Zero. God is not looking for success in your life. He's not even looking for fruit as far as converts in your life. No. He's looking for faithfulness. Did you hear that? Faithfulness. That is when you are committed to God despite the place that you are in in life. That is when you are faithful to God. I have people come up and say, Josh, I don't feel God. Be faithful. Christianity is not about feelings. No. Why aren't you worshiping? Because I don't feel like it. Oh, wait a minute. Worship isn't about you, huh? It's about God. Why aren't you serving? Well, I just don't have time. Wait a minute. You make time. For it is about God and not about you. Why don't you share with people? Because I'm scared. It ain't about you. It's about God. I don't want to pick up that guy. Did God tell you to pick him up? My life is not my own. It was bought with a price. I don't make my own decisions anymore. If God says go and I say no, I'm being disobedient. That's a big mistake. I could have missed out on taking Jeremy home and ministering to him. You see that? What a foolish move, huh? Because I didn't take heed to the voice of God. Jeremiah listened and obeyed. Listen to this. At his time, from 627 B.C. to 586 B.C., Habakkuk, 
and Zephaniah were also ministering in Judah. So Jeremiah is a prophet to Judah, okay? This nation, these people. And Habakkuk, another prophet in his time who was serving there as well, could be thought of as the praying prophet. That's who he was. Zephaniah was a preaching prophet, loud, preaching to the masses. Habakkuk, a praying prophet. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, the sorrowful prophet. He was the broken-hearted prophet with a heartbreaking message. Throughout this book, we will see him weeping, crying, grieving for the people of God who had turned away from their God. In 586 B.C., Jeremiah went to Egypt and lived there with other Jews who had fled from the Babylonians. There's captivity going on with the Jews, and he had fled. And tradition tells us this, listen. Tradition tells us that Jeremiah was stoned there and buried in an unmarked grave. He was killed by his brothers who didn't like the message that he brought. While you think that Christianity will bring you a happy ending, not Jeremiah. He preached for 42 years, no one listened, and then he was stoned to death for preaching it. You know what being stoned is? That's when we will take you to a cliff. We will grab as big of rocks as we can and we will throw them at you. Hoping to knock you over the cliff. And when we do knock you over, we will take a giant rock and smash it upon you. And that's how you will die. That's how Jeremiah died. But he's a prophet of God. He's a, he's a superhero, right? Why didn't God like bring fire down from heaven? You know that power to be witnesses, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses in Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, you know what that means? That power, that dynamo or that dynamite power that comes upon you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, you know what that power is? It's to be a witness. You know what that witness is? It's to actually be able to have the power and to have the stability to be able to die for your faith. You know, there are thousands and thousands of Christians who have died in the name of Jesus Christ. We don't ever think about that, huh? You know, there are people who become Christians today that will die in other countries because they became a Christian. Yeah. Yep. Not here. We don't worry about that stuff. That's what the power is for. To give you boldness to be able to stand up when the times get hard. Jeremiah died for the faith. A man of sorrows. A man who wept and cried for the people of God. There's got to be a healthy balance there, doesn't there? A lot of people are just crybabies, bottom line. They cry about everything. Um, I don't think Jesus was that. I think it says that Jesus was the happiest man to ever walk the earth. He was anointed with the oil of gladness above all men. He was happiest, but at the same time, he was heartbroken for the people. And he weeped for, the, for Jerusalem. Do you remember? He cried for the people. He cried when his friend died. A healthy balance. Many pastors are so focused on the great things that are happening in their ministry that they never take time to even talk to their people. And if you end up talking to the people, your heart will break. It happens to me all the time as soon as I stick around and just listen to people. And I hear the things that are going on in their lives. It's like, oh, Father. And that is the hardest thing in a ministry. 
it's hearing the hard things that people go through and how you see that you can't help. All you can do is cry out to God for them. That's who Jeremiah was. He was the man who cried out for the people of God. And, oh, Father, as we open this book, we would ask that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. You would open our eyes to weep for the people, to be saddened for the people, God. Why? Lord, so that we can have a burden like you have, so we will have love and compassion for the people. So, God, we will have a desire to further your kingdom and bring them life, bring them rest, and to be a great shepherd and ones who can minister and build up and encourage. Teach us your ways as we look at Jeremiah. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah the prophet, are you ready? Verse 1 of chapter 1 of the book of Jeremiah. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah. Yes. Of the priests that were in Anoth and the land of Benjamin. The son of Hilkiah. You know who Hilkiah was? He was a priest. He was a priest who served in the temple, served in the house of the Lord. So guess what? Jeremiah was a PK. He was a priest kid. Yeah, he was. (laughs) Come on, come on. Give it to me. Yes, he was. Hey, he was a pastor's kid. He's a PK. And so you know what? He knew what it was like. He knew what it's like to be in ministry. He knows what it looks like to serve God. And somehow he was not one of those PKs that wandered from God. No. He stayed focused on God until the day that he died. And he died for God. Because his dad was a good priest. Verse 2, To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, the thirteenth year of his reign. So Jeremiah is speaking in the days of who? Josiah. Josiah is who? A great king. He was a good king. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. At a young age, he made a commitment to God. He started reigning as king at guess what age? Anyone know? How do you know that? Eight years old, that's right. Excellent. Bible students, eight years old. And he made a commitment. He was king at eight years old, and he made a commitment to God at about 16 years old or so. And at 20 years old, he knocked down the idols. 25, he reigned as king, made great decisions for the kingdom. He was a powerful, powerful man for God. And Jeremiah was there in his day speaking to Judah, the nation, speaking to them loud and clear. But no one responded. Look at verse 3. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, under the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the 15th month. Yes, they were carried away into captivity by the Babylonians. Now, the Babylonians took over the Assyrians and then eventually took over Jerusalem, captured the people. And then at this time, when they're in captivity, guess what happens? It says, 
Verse 4, are you ready? Then the word of the Lord came unto me, Jeremiah, saying, here it comes, the word of the Lord came to him. Jeremiah was a boy. Well, young, as far as the Bible's concerned, he was 30 years old. 30 is considered young in the Bible. So I'm kind of happy about that. You know, a lot of people's ministry started when they were 30. Did you know that? David became king when he was 30. Jesus started his ministry when he was 30. In Levitical law, you would take on um, becoming a priest or serving in the tabernacle at 30 years old. That's when your ministry began. 30 years old. I like that. And I always think something magical is going to go down at about 30 for some reason. I just don't know. I really think so. God knows. But this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Amen, Larry. It's my favorite chapters in the Bible. Yeah, uh-huh. Larry, just give me an inside joke real quick. But hey, Jeremiah chapter 1, one of my favorite chapters. Why? I read this to myself when I'm scared. When I'm about to get up and speak, and I don't know what to say, I run to this passage all the time and I read it. Watch how it will minister to your heart. Listen. It says, verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, God said this to Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Did you hear that? This is um, a place, I, I can't miss it, I have to say something. Did you see the first part there? Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. Before what? He what? Formed you. He what? Knew you. Well, God thinks it's pretty important that before a baby is born, that it's a pretty important. And the abortion issue is a big deal in this day and age. God says, before I even formed you, I knew you. Before thou camest forth out of the womb. Before you camest out of the womb. God already has a plan for you. Wow. Before you even came out of the womb, God had a plan for your life. Isn't that crazy? You've been thinking this whole time, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? God already knows. He knew the day that you were formed. Before you even came out of the womb, God knew. And it says that before, he tells us to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, listen, before I formed you, when you were in the belly of your mother, before you even came out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet into the nations. Isn't that crazy? God looked down on that woman and said, that child in the womb right there, before it's even formed, and before it even comes out, the mother, that child will be a prophet to the nations. Wow. Some of you need to hear that tonight. God has a plan for your life. You're like, what is it, Josh? He knew what it was before you even came out. He knew what it was before you even formed. He has a plan for your life. Many of you are called to lead. Many of you are called to be a witness. Many of you are called to live a life set apart for God all the days of your life. How do you discover that plan, Josh? You discover it by walking with God daily. What do you mean? Listen. Listen. 
This is how I look at life. If I serve God today, how does that work? What do I do? I wake up. I say, Father, this is your day. Show me what you want me to do. Help me to minister and live for your kingdom. Show me where you'd want me to be. Show me what you want me to do. And that day, I live for God. Like yesterday. I got to live for God yesterday. Isn't that great? And today, look again. I get to live for God. Isn't this great? And tomorrow, I'm going to live for Him. Man, I'm going to go over to UCR. I'm going to preach the good news over there too. Then I get to go to church tomorrow night. I get to live for Him and worship Him there and bless Him. Then I get to have a meeting tomorrow night about camp and talk about things. That's awesome. Then Thursday, guess what? I'm going to be living for Him. I'm going to be keeping my ears open on how I can serve Him. And if I do it just one day at a time, you know what? In one month, you know where I'll be? Exactly where I'm supposed to be. You know where I'll be in two months? Exactly where I'm supposed to be. Where God had sanctified and placed me and wants me to be from the before the time I was even formed. He has a plan for my life. How do you discover it? You discover it one day at a time. One want to know what the next 10 years look like. doesn't work that way. You seek God today. And maybe He's going to say, hey, pick up Jeremy. Maybe He's going to say, hey, go to that Bible study. Maybe He's going to say, minister and pray for that person. Then all of a sudden the next day, hey, you get an opportunity to do something for the Lord because you've been faithful. Okay, and you take it and you run with it and you stay faithful to that. Then all of a sudden, hey, two months down the road, they give you something else to do because you've been so faithful. And then you look down like nine years like me. I remember just a kid who said, I want to follow God. So I told the Lord, I said, I'll follow you. I want to do whatever you want me to do. One thing after another from a Bible study, being the president of a Bible club on my campus back in high school. To starting a Bible study in somebody's house. To getting hired on working with high school ministry as I was a counselor at camp for many years. To teaching the word in all the high schools in 13 different high schools here in Riverside. To teaching off the pulpit there at Harvest Christian Fellowship. To going out with John Corson in the desert for four months and learning from him. To going back and living in Israel for another three months. To being able to travel the world sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ on the streets everywhere. To being able to have a Bible study in a coffee shop and see people come to know Jesus. Two weeks ago when I preached at the college study, a girl who is an atheist, her whole family is an atheist, is atheist. She came up to me and said, um, her actually her boyfriend had come up to me and said, my girlfriend made a decision for Christ tonight. I've been trying to minister to her for three years. He's doing missionary dating or something. I wouldn't recommend that. (laughs) Wouldn't recommend that. But she bowed the knee. She gave her life to God. She knew what it meant to give her life to God. God spoke to her. And I get to preach everywhere and I get to do amazing things for God. And I can't believe it. And I work for the church full time. I get paid to serve God. Did you hear that? They pay me cash money to serve God. What is this? My job is to serve God. My job is to serve God. God, how did I get here? I was that kid that just said, God, I'll serve you with all my heart. That's all I got. I didn't get to work for the for God. For, I, I've done probably 15 to 20 different jobs. I've worked construction. I've worked at Stater Brothers. I worked at a law firm. I worked at Dairy Queen. I worked at Ross. I worked for DirecTV. I sold 
satellite dishes. I was a master at it. I would train people how to sell. I did all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm telling you, God has a plan for your life. If you choose to bow the knee and seek that plan with all your heart, one day at a time, you focus on today. Hey, tomorrow has enough worries of its own, doesn't it? Don't worry about tomorrow. You focus on today with all your heart, and in one month, you'll be exactly where you're supposed to be in Jesus' name. In two months, you'll be exactly where you need to be in Jesus' name. Shaqib, I'm telling you, stay focused. One day at a time. You walk with God one day at a time. And 5,000 days from now, I will be exactly where I'm supposed to be. When I'm 60 years old, an old man, I'll be exactly where I'm supposed to be in Jesus' name. I'll be making the right amount of money I'm supposed to make. I'll be loving on the people I'm supposed to love on. I'll be sharing the good news where I'm supposed to be sharing it. Because I seek God's face every single day on what He asked me to do. God has a plan for your life. It's up to you if you'll choose to follow it. You know what I'm talking about? You hear me loud and clear? Please. Because there are many who will hear this message tonight and you will walk away and you will not seek the face of God and you will not be where you're supposed to be in one month. You'll be doing your own thing. I'm telling you. Please. Seek God one day at a time. God may be calling you to be the prophet of a nation. He has ordained you, sanctified you before the day you were even born to be what he called you to be. So please be there. Is there a Moses in here? Is there a Deborah in here that needs to stand up? Is there a Mary in here? God is looking to and fro throughout the earth. Anyone who will say, here am I, send me. Anyone. I'm not good enough. Nope. Anyone. Anyone. Moses had a stuttering stuttering problem. Couldn't talk. Remember, he said, God, speak through my brother. I can't talk. Anyone. God will use anyone that says, I'm here. Send me. So God says, I've ordained you as a prophet to the nations. And look at verse 6. Then Jeremiah says, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a child. Ha, ha, ha. Look at him crying out like a baby to God. God, I can't speak. I'm a child. I don't know what to say. This is what I say when I stand before audiences that I just can't even, I don't know what to do. Not to brag, but I'll just tell you just for illustration. I got the opportunity a few years ago to pray at the Billy Graham crusade. There's over 110,000 people there. Yeah, it's crazy. I walk up there, and I was sitting on stage there. There's Billy Graham. There's the whole crew. And uh, the whole thing happens. There's this huge altar call. Thousands of people make commitments for Christ. And then they're going to give the, pho- the microphone to Josh Thompson to pray over all of this to close the, the, the night. And I'm just like, uh, I think you got the wrong guy. You know, like, I really don't know how to do this. I was so scared to death. I remember Steve Olbrin telling me, don't say Billy Graham. You have to say Dr. Billy Graham. Do not say Billy Graham when you pray. (laughs) Guess what I did? (laughs) Guess what else happened? My buddy calls me. He calls me while I'm praying. My phone goes off in my pocket. I'm like, (laughs) it's hilarious, man. 
You better believe I was crying out to God, God, I'm a child, I don't know what to say. 110,000 people, how do you even start? I was freaked out. It is a blessing. God pulled me through, you know? I think being scared is the best place to be in life. And not overwhelmed, no. But just in a place where you feel, you know what, I can't do this without God. I need Him. That's where Jeremiah was. He says, ah. Does it say that in your, your translation? Does it say ah? I like that. Ah. <laughs> you yell, ah. <laughs> Lord God. Exclamation mark. Behold, I cannot speak from a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Did you hear that? Maybe there's some of you in here tonight. You say, ah, Lord God, I'm a child. I don't even know what to say. You want me to talk to my parents? How? Ah, Lord God, you want me to speak to my boss? How? You want me to talk to the people around me, my friends, my family? How? How do I do that? God says this. He says this to you. Say not, I'm a child. For you shall go to all that I send you. And whatsoever I send, or wheresoever I send you, you shall speak. Do you hear that? To whomever I send you to, you will speak. All you got to do is open your mouth. I'm telling you. Huh, Rob? All you got to do is open your mouth. You open that mouth and allow God to use you, powerful things are going to happen. If you don't, nothing will happen. Hey, I could have said nothing with Jeremy, huh? Last night. God put it on my heart, just jumped off the cliff. If you don't open your mouth, God cannot use you. Listen, this is another word for you. Look at me, please. Everyone look at me before you read this. Just let me read it to you. Do not be afraid of their faces. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I am with you. Lo, I am with you always. Till the ends of the earth. How do I speak to them? How do I step out? I remember when I worked for Stater Brothers. I used to try to pray for every single person I bagged groceries for. <laughs> I tried to do it. And then I tried to like start conversation. It was just the most awkward thing. It's like paper or plastic. You know? I'm like, Father, bless them. You know, bless them. Just minister to Come on, bring them to know you. If the opportunity was there, I would try to step out. Just so scary and hard, you know? This is the word of the Lord. Some of you need to run to Jeremiah chapter 1 in your life. Maybe tomorrow you need to do this. You've got to run and say, hey, God says I'm not a child. And He's going to give me the words to speak. And I've got to speak to those that He brings me to. And, and I don't need to be afraid of their faces. Because you're going to look them in the eyes. You look at them. Look down. You try to talk about God and you feel embarrassed. You've got to go for it in boldness. Proclaim the truth. Stand up for what you believe. But Josh, I'm scared. Jeremiah was scared. And God had called him to preach to more. Bigger than any little city. It was a nation. A nation. Isn't that incredible? That's what God had called him to. Look at verse 9. Then the Lord put forth His hand, and guess what? Touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. 
See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. Did you see that? Verse 9 says, Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth. He said, I have put my words in your mouth. I think there's many, many here tonight I want to pray for you guys. There are many of you in here who feel like you do not have words. And I'm going to ask that God to reach down from heaven and touch your mouth and give you words to speak. And then you'd make a decision within your heart to recognize that God is going to put the words in your mouth and that you would step out and speak to the people that God has called you to speak. Is that right? Can I do that? Can I do that? Let me pray, please. Father, Lord, do you hear us? I want to pray for all of these even right now, every single one in this room, God. I just pray that, God, you would reach down from heaven and that you would touch them. Please, Father, that as you touch Jeremiah, you would touch every single one in this room who feels insufficient. God, they don't have the words to speak. I pray that you would touch them even now and that you fill them with your spirit new and afresh. And that, God, the words would be in them and all they have to do is open their mouth and that it will come to them. It will flow from their mouth. And they would make decisions to step out and speak truth in your name as Jeremiah did in his day. So anoint these people in your day. Please, God, here in this day, we pray now. I pray for these in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God has put the words in your mouth. The Spirit of God lives in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Please, I beg and plead with you to step out. God says, see, I have set this day thee over nations and over the kingdoms. Guess what Jeremiah has to do? Root out, pull down, destroy, and throw down. It's not always fun being a prophet, huh? Prophets are not always called to the easiest roles in life. Jeremiah has been given the role to tear down and to uproot. How hard is that? How hard is it to tell people they're sinners? You need a Savior. How hard is it to tell your family members that that's wrong and that I can't participate in that? How hard is it to stand up for what you believe in your workplace and say, I will not compromise my faith? To call sin, sin. To call it black and white, plain as day. We are called to do what is right in this day and age. And it is going to be offensive to people, I'm telling you. People don't like to hear the truth. You may be stoned for it. Jeremiah was. But that's what he's called to. And there are many in here that are called to do the same. We've got to stand up. It's not the easiest thing. Doing what is right. Because the world hates what is right. Look at verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? What do you see? And he said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord God unto me, Thou hast seen well, for I will hasten my word to perform it. He sees this rod. He sees a vision, a rod of an almond tree or an almond rod, some kind. And it is a sign of authority that God is giving him authority into his hand, okay? 
authority into his hand. You've got to understand that you have been given the authority by God to speak forth his truth, his word. You really have. And so you should speak it with authority. A lot of Christians are like, hi. Hi, my name's Josh. Hi. <laughs> Hilarious. I know. Hi, my name's Josh, and I'm a Christian. Oh, that's cool. Bye. Authority. Doesn't mean you have to be loud and obnoxious, but you can speak with authority. Speak the truth. He gave it to Jeremiah. He's giving him a sign, helping him understand, I've given you the authority. Now walk in it. The second sign, look at it. Verse 13, And the word of the Lord came a second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, this pot, and the face toward or thereof toward the north. And the Lord said unto me, Out of the north evil shall break forth upon the inhabitants of the land. This is basically a prophecy of the Babylonians coming and taking over everything, bringing everything into captivity. This pot. And look at verse 15. For lo, I will call on all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense to other gods, and have worshipped the works of their hands. Sounds like a nation I know well. God says that I'm going to bring them to a place where they will be stationed and you will speak forth the truth and we will call out their wickedness full blast. I don't know if you know it yet. I don't know if you see it yet, but God is screaming at the top of his lungs to this nation basically to repent. And it is something that we are all called to be preaching and doing in our lives daily. I mean, I can't say it enough, family. I really can't. I can't say it enough. We have a nation that has forsaken the ways of God. We are burning incense to other gods. You have bonfires. You burn some stuff. You do it in the name of beer. You do it in the name of fornication, in the name of money, whatever it is. There are a lot of gods running around here other than the true and living God. And we have got to take this nation back for the kingdom. But that's what we're going to see as we move through the book of Jeremiah. We're going to see, family, a nation that has turned its face from God and Jeremiah crying out to the people, begging them to get right and to repent and turn to their God. Look at the rest here, verse 17. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto all them that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I made thee in this day a defensed city, an iron pillar, and a brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the, pri the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Did you hear that? The closing statement is this. Rise up. Rise up. Will everyone stand, please? Rise up. <laughs> 
Rise up. Stand up. Gird up your loins. Get ready for battle. Recognize what is before you. Recognize what is happening amongst the church of America. The priests have forsaken God. The nation is forsaking God. Take God out of everything. Get God out of here. Forsaking the king. And God says this. He says, do not be scared of their faces. He says, I will make you a defense city. I will make you an iron pillar that can't be moved. I will make you brazen walls against the whole land. I will make you strong against all of the kings, against all of the princes, against all of the priests and anyone, all of the people that rise up against you. He says this. He says this. They shall fight against you. Did you know that? The world will fight against you. Your boss will fight against you. The world will fight against you as you make a stand for Christianity day in and day out. Recognize it, but check this out. But they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with you, saith the Lord, to deliver you. God is with you. And it is a word for our generation. You may be scared. You may not know what to do. You may be trying to figure out what's going on in your life and how are you going to make a difference in this life. God is with you. I beg and plead with you from the bottom of my heart to make a stand for God like never before. Forsake your gods, whatever it is in your life that is pulling you away from the true and living God. If it's alcohol, then forsake it. If it is drugs, then let it go. If it is fornication, cut it off. If it is walking away from the living God day in and day to your life, run. If you choose not to, it will destroy your life, I guarantee it. But if you choose to walk with your God, you will be blessed all the days of your life. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this group. And God, there has been an, there's an exhortation that has been given, Lord, for us to rise, to arise to the occasion and to make a stand for you in our workplace and our families in this society, wherever we go, to show your love, to love on people, to bless them, to live for you, to proclaim your truth and to proclaim your gospel. Lord, to get our lives right before you. There are so many Christians who are hypocrites and do not seek your face and do not walk with you. They do the church thing, but they were far from you. Their hearts aren't even close to you. And I pray that would not be the case in this room, that you would change hearts in an instant. They'd make a decision and a change of heart, and a change of mind to seek you with all of their hearts, seek you with all of their minds. I pray for this group, God, that we would be Jeremiah's, that would have hearts that break for the people, God, because we're blown away by the sadness and the wicked things going on on this earth, the people hurting everywhere. They need you, God. Help us to show your love and mercy like never before in this generation. We need you. Fill us with your spirit new and afresh. Bless these as they go. Give them the words to speak in every situation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God loves you. And I love you guys. And I want the best for you. So go in the name of Jesus. Stand for him. Walk with him daily. Amen.